We've talked about this before on the air a few times, right? Um, what's going on around nuclear energy in this country? Uh, it's something that, like I say, I think is important. Based on what I've said to him, I'm no expert in this world. I, I, I know very little except for what I've heard from all the people that we continually speak to about this. And you know, we talk about transitional economies and on and on it goes. To me, this seems like it's got to be a pretty key piece. And we're seeing more and more governments come on board. So uh, more conversation, more development, more news around this issue uh, just last week and into this week. So we're going to chat with Dr. Christopher Kiefer now, who is the president of Canadians for uh, Nuclear Energy. Dr. Kiefer, thanks for joining us again. I appreciate it. It's great to be back, Shay. Thanks for having me. So you were or you are? What's the situation? There's a national conference taking place on nuclear energy right now? Yeah, that would be the uh, Canadian Nuclear Association's annual conference. Uh, just wrapped up on Friday of last week, but I was fortunate enough to attend uh, for three days. What's going on? I and mean, what are the conversations that are happening there? It seems like this is gaining momentum, or is that just me? No, things are things are definitely more and more optimistic year to year. I, I was there uh, last year as well, um, but this year, I mean, it's it's keeping pace really with what we're seeing all around the world, um, where you know, as in regards to this energy crisis, skyrocketing fossil fuel prices, um, even energy shortages in many areas, um, the conversation is pivoting back towards nuclear, and you know that is because fossil fuels are a pretty amazing source of energy, um, and they're a very hard source of energy to replace as a result. Um, nuclear is one of the few sources of energy that can replace some fossil fuel services. Um, we saw that here where I'm talking to you from in Ontario, where we were able to phase yeah. out coal with nuclear. Um, but as a result, again, I think mostly as a result of the energy crisis, nuclear is front and center again, and, and certainly the industry is, is seeing um, big opportunities ahead. I wanted to ask you about Ontario specifically, because there's so much news coming out of Ontario on this file. And like you say, they managed to uh, do a lot with nuclear in Ontario. However, that was about small modular reactors what's what's this news about large reactors that seems to be in the in the headlines which is uh, something we haven't heard much talk about before yeah we have to put this in context as you mentioned uh, here in ontario we've done a lot with nuclear um, it's the majority of our electricity production actually around 60 percent um, we have one of the lowest carbon electricity grids in the world and we've done so while maintaining high quality employment um, not just for the folks running the power plants um, but for the whole supply chain because nuclear in canada is special we innovated our own design the can do reactor um, and it's form-fitted for this country um, for some of the limitations we have in terms of heavy industry. Uh, but again, that means that every dollar we've spent on nuclear generates a lot of economic activity. Specifically, you get about a buck forty back for every dollar that you put into nuclear. So it's a great investment and it's done a lot of good uh, for Ontario. Um, and it's exciting um, speaking with folks in Alberta because I think you guys are getting, forgive the pun, gaslighted quite a bit um, <laughs> on this question of you know a just transition. I know that term was recently rebranded, but I think a lot of you know, people in Alberta, a lot of folks are working within the energy industry. Yeah. Uh, they're not naive. They understand how things work. And they see that, you know, that Traver Solar Farm is not going to be providing thousands of high-quality jobs for many years to come. It doesn't even have a parking lot, as far as I understand. Um, so there's, there's um, you know, I, I know... Uh, <laughs> Sometimes, uh, you know, out east here, we, we impose our vision on, on the west, but I think there's really important and interesting things to learn in Alberta from the Ontario example with nuclear. Yeah, and I don't know if you're necessarily imposing, because we've had those tra- those talks here. I mean, we, we know that there's been government support for SMRs. That's not something that is completely out of the realm of possibility in Alberta, or Saskatchewan, for that matter. They've talked about it, too. So, so it's like I say, that, that ball has started rolling, Doc. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess, um, you know, what I was talking about in Ontario, um, and what's significant about this conference is we're, having, we're hearing a pivot back to large nuclear. Yeah. Just to provide a bit more context, um, people are pretty well acquainted with the James Bay Hydro Project in Quebec, probably Canada's largest hydroelectric uh, facility. It gives Quebec an enormous amount of electricity, enough to heat with, you know, to essentially decarbonize a lot of their province. Um, you know, the, the deployment of our large candy reactors happened on a similar time frame and pace. So people say nuclear is too slow. Well, we commissioned uh, 23 large nuclear reactors in 22 years. You know, more relevant to Saskatchewan and Alberta um, and some of the less densely populated provinces are small modular reactors. There's nothing magical or different about these. These are just simply scaled down um, reactors. Uh, Saskatchewan has already um, decided on the technology they yep. want to deploy, which is the same as, as what we are going to be constructing over the next two years here in Ontario. Um, so, you know, I, I think the key message from this conference was we can do it all. We need to do it all. We need the small stuff and the big stuff. Um, when you talk about these conferences and who's uh, attending and things like that, I mean, we know that there are proponents for this type of energy. We know that there's, like yourself, people who really do advocate for this. What about, is it just a bunch of you getting together? <laughs> or are, are policymakers, are decision makers at the table, are they starting to become more involved in this process? Yeah, absolutely. There was quite a lot of participation. We had uh, ministers from New Brunswick, uh, Saskatchewan, um, our energy minister here in Ontario. Um, so there's quite a lot of political engagement. Um, it is an industry conference, so obviously lots of people working in the sector. Um, and as you mentioned, um, there's the strange new phenomenon of the so-called nuclear energy advocate. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, I spend my free time, uh, some of it anyway, advocating for this technology because I do genuinely believe um, that it's absolutely key, not just for our climate response, but really as the basis for, you know, a sound economy, which in turn is what can provide the kind of society we want to live in with, you know, good quality health care, education, all those good things. Um, I was reading, you know, about uh, what's going on in Ontario, and, and they, they had a quote from, I can't remember the name of the group, the opposition group, saying this is absurd. There's no reason for us to be even considering this. We have safe and efficient options like solar and wind, and you know that argument's out there. When it comes to safety, um, will that ever go away, Dr. Kiefer? That at least the conversation, the talking point? For sure, for sure. I mean, it's one that's deeply seated in the public consciousness, and these environmental groups have really fanned the flames of fear um, on this. So, no, it's not a conversation that's going away anytime soon, and it's a conversation we really should have. I always like to make the comparison on safety between the aviation industry and the nuclear industry. Um, flying is obviously the best way to get quickly from distances that are far apart. Um, we accept some risk with that. Um, you know, and it's we've, we've made the aviation industry incredibly safe. If you think about everything that goes into keeping a plane 30,000 feet in the air, right. pressurized, thousands of moving parts, everything has to be maintained perfectly, the pilots need to know what they're doing, air traffic control. You know, there are something like 100 to 200 people dying in aviation accidents every year. Sounds like a lot, but 4 billion flights happen every year, right? Uh, passenger flights. Nuclear energy, on the other hand, has a safety record far better than aviation. Is it as necessary as aviation? I would say yes, um, particularly in a world where we're moving towards uh, low-carbon sources of energy or even constraints on availability of fossil fuels. Um, so there's definitely a conversation there. You know, these environmental groups are hopelessly naive. Um, the David Suzuki report uh, was an energy modeling study. You know, they obviously don't want coal or gas. They don't want nuclear. They don't even want large-scale hydroelectricity. So this is just total fantasy play. And unfortunately, some naive politicians um, who don't have a strong backing in energy um, are parroting these outlandish claims and convincing some people, but I think not the general public, um, of what is and what isn't possible. Well, that's the interesting thing. Of course, you know, you're, and it's 
completely within their, their their right to to say what they want to say. But it seems to me like the message is the, the it's turning. We're now seeing more and more momentum behind this. Um, and you know, you say, is it a, as essential as aviation? People may say, you know, obviously not. But you know, if you take a look at Ontario, they're talking about a moratorium on natural gas produ- produced electricity within, I think it's five years, right? And by twenty fifty, no more. Like the elimination of natural gas produced electricity. Well, well, how are you going to fill that? Um, you have to be having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, in Ontario here, we don't produce uh, natural gas. We didn't have coal, and that's why I think these are things that yeah. we can even talk about phasing out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's in, in Ontario, really, there's a choice between nuclear and gas. Um, you know, we need to move pretty quickly on nuclear to actually get gas off the grid. Um, there's a lot of sort of fan- fantasy ideas about, about what's possible. Um, and frankly, you know, we're going to be needing gas for some time on the interior grid, I think, as are a lot of other parts in the country. Um, but you have to have respect for coal, respect for gas, if you want to replace them. You need to understand what they do, the magnificence of what they provide. Um, if you're naive about that, then you're going to come up with some, you know, halfway um, use of something like wind and solar energy, which do have some utility in some sure they do. Sure. instances, but they do not replace the reliability and affordability of things like coal and gas. Nuclear can and nuclear has here in Ontario, so I think it's a you know it's a great starting point in our discussions about what our future energy system should look like. Yeah, Dr. Kiefer, uh, thanks so much for your time. As always, I appreciate you being here. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.